And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. The hottest spot on the internet. No, that's not right. We are live from the bunker coming to you from deep windy beneath the world headquarters in Kansas City. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me, which means the buck stops here. And that actually also means that we're not getting any bucks because the bucks have stopped. Uh, well, they haven't stopped, but you know, it's hard to come by sometimes. We are broadcasting live to uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Odyssey. I do want to encourage you all to sign up over there and and follow us on Odyssey because you never know what's going to happen, right? There are channels getting struck. There's channels getting demonetized in certain platforms. So, you know. Alternately, this show is available as a podcast on various different podcast players. All you have to do is search Sci-Fi for Me and, and it'll show up somewhere, I'm sure. So we're happy to have all of you listeners as well. And if you want to be part of the conversation, the chat is open. I see Mazurus and Sci-Fi Snob in there, and yet I I don't I don't know where you've been, Snob. We've been doing uh, we've been doing pre-show promos for a little bit. It's there's a there's a there's a reason for that, and a couple of reasons. One, of course, is to get. Uh, get the word out about our other shows another uh, purpose behind it is to give people time to get to the show because sometimes when the notifications go out late or you know if people oh oh it's 12 o'clock I gotta get to the show we don't have that happen a lot but you know if people remember oh it's noon there's a show on this gives people time to get settled in and get their popcorn and, and get ready to go But it also gives us a little bit of pad time in the beginning to kind of skirt past some algorithm stuff. Because I've noticed if we if we don't exactly get into our topic at the very beginning and if we don't have particular words in our video titles and discussions, then we get hit less by the demonetization hammer. Um, so far, under all of the review, we've had uh, things just go fine. You know, they they give us our green dollar sign back, and and it's not yellow anymore. But I've noticed on certain videos, whenever we do something like this, if we take a little bit of time to get into our topic, there's less of a chance that we're going to get 
issues, shall we say? I don't know. I guess you know it's it's partially it's partially uh, self-defense on our part. You know, it's it's a protective measure, I guess. So, yes, Algae Rhythm is the brother of John Ra. That's that's right. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, uh, speaking of social media, I just want to I want to just spell this out for a minute because I haven't gone through all of our social media channels in a very long time. I'm just going to go through the list real quick. If anyone is interested in finding us on social media, aside, you know, putting aside the, the notion that social media is a dumpster fire. So if you're on social media, you want to find us over there. If you haven't already, uh, we've got, we've got a, a page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, for those of you who are into cosplay. Now, Pinterest is our cosplay-centric, cosplay-only stuff. Uh, and then we're not on Tumblr. We're not on Snapchat. We're not on TikTok. Uh, the alternate things, well, Twitter, the alternate channels, MeWe, Minds, Gab, Parlor, Locals. We do have a Discord, but I haven't anything, done anything with it yet. And it's basically kind of spreading out to make sure that we're various different places. And, you know, the the discussion on some of those other channels, accounts, platforms, not any different from what you'd find over on Twitter. We're posting links to our stuff. That That's the most, most of what we're doing. So, uh, no, we're not on Grindr. Anyway, all right, so a follow-up real quick on yesterday's discussion, because we were talking about, you know, the pan pandemic stuff and post-apocalyptic programming and, and that sort of thing. There are a couple of things. Uh, in, the, in the wake of the Virginia election, one of the things that Mrs. Boss and I were talking about, and this, this came up, and I'm not going to get into politics very much. It's an observation that's relevant here. Uh, there was uh, a, a particular attack in a bathroom in Loudoun County in a school. Those of you who have been paying attention to the news, you know what I'm talking about. And the mother apparently has done an interview, and she's not helping her son's case very much at all. And as I'm, as I'm looking at some of the information that's come out, I'm thinking your lawyers probably want you to shut up because you're not helping. And I, I, I have that same thought when I read this interview with Eliza Clark, who's the showrunner for Why the Last Man. This is in Vulture. Uh, Catherine Van Arendonk, the author of this uh, long talk published on November 3rd. So this came out yesterday, and I saw it after the show. Um... So, this, in, for the most part, this article covers, you know, what, what they were, you know, what they're hoping to do, you know, they're very disappointed they didn't get a second season, and they understand, they're talking about what happened with the Hulu decision to not move forward. It's, it's, it's based on money more than anything else, and it's complicated by the fact that this show had so many delays to start with. And the network just was, we don't have the money to spend on holding everybody and, and doing all of this. So, 
So basically, the network was in a position where they had to decide if they were going to spend $3 million to hold the cast in reserve while the network decided on a second season. So it was a two-part process. Basically, what they were looking at here, okay, we're, we're dropping season one, which has been delayed, delayed, delayed. After three or four episodes, I believe, they had not yet decided on a season two. I would expect that's probably because they hadn't got numbers yet on episodes. They want to see how it's performing, and that's a, that's a normal decision to make. But the way this all timed out... If they were going to decide on a season two, it would be past the point where the options for the cast and crew expired. So they would have to spend $3 million just to have everybody wait until they decided that they're going to have a season two. So it's not like we don't want to spend $3 million on season two. It's we don't want to spend $3 million to hold everybody in place until we decide if we're going to have a season two. So it's a, it, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit nuanced, but as Eliza Clark continues to do interviews and social media posts about what their goals were and what their intent was for why the last man, the less interested I am in the show, I haven't watched it uh, yet. I, I should, I should get around to it, but, the, the more I hear about it, the less I'm interested in it because of the various different things that the showrunner, Eliza Clark, has said about what they were trying to do with the show. And <clears throat> it seems like a minor thing, and it's just a little bit of a mention in this article, but it does... It does figure in the 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 question of transsexuals and you know transgender not transsexuals transgenders and and that sort of thing and of course that that wasn't that wasn't a thing when the book when the when the graphic novel first came out yes you're talking about gender and identity uh, with regard to this book but If you have a Y chromosome, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole basis of the idea behind this book is everybody with a Y chromosome died except this one guy, Yorick. And now you factor in the Y chromosome. Well, if you have a man who thinks he's a woman, he's still got a Y chromosome. I mean, this is biology. This is not, this is not sociology. This is not... Uh, this is not... Uh, gender theory or anything like that. You've got a Y chromosome, you're dead. And <clears throat> it spins out, and, and it's part of this other thing, uh, because we have also uh, this, new, this new book from DC Comics, uh, Nubia, and then the whole Trial of the Amazons book and whatnot. And the writer, Stephanie Williams has come out saying that there's there are trans there's a there's a transgender amazon and just some guy did a very excellent analysis of this uh in in one of his I'll I'll find it and I'll put a link in the comments but the the idea of 
an Amazon being transgendered kind of works against the whole idea of what an Amazon is. And what they're using as a tool to create this transgendered Amazon is something that they came out with, uh, the Well of Souls. This is something that I believe was, was created uh, during George Perez's run. And the Well of Souls reincarnates Amazons in new bodies. And just some guy does a very good uh, a video on this, basically talking about, well, if this well of souls, the way this works, if it regenerates and resurrects Amazons in a new body, and you have a man who thinks he's a woman and goes through the well of souls, he's going to be reincarnated in a new biologically female body. I mean, the, the, logic, the logic of all of this stuff <clears throat> escapes me. So anyway, there's there's a there's a follow up on those two on that on that kind of thing. I, like I said, I'll find uh, I will go through and find just some guy's video and put a link if you haven't seen it already. If you're not following just some guy over on uh, on YouTube, you should be because he does some very excellent analysis. He's just a just a kid from Chicago. Speaking his mind. All right, so here we go. We've got uh, news coming out of Washington, D.C. The Department of Justice. We got, uh, we got alerts on this earlier this week. The, Ju the Justice Department has, has said, Penguin Random House cannot buy Simon & Schuster. Now, this is something that we talked about back... Well, we didn't talk about this specific thing, but we talked about the, the Warner Media Discovery merger from earlier this year, the fact that AT&T was getting out of the media business, Warner Media spinning out and going to merge with Discovery. And the speculation at that point, the question was, will the, will the Justice Department, will the government allow that merger to, to take place? Because as we get through all of the news and all of the announcements of various different studios buying other studios, <coughs> Disney, we have the, the looming shadow of antitrust lawsuits and monopolies and and that sort of thing because in business there are rules for making sure one particular company does not dominate the entire industry category that they're in and in this particular case we're looking at penguin random house as a publisher and Simon & Schuster being the publishing imprint from Viacom CBS. And Viacom CBS has been doing all of this corporate restructuring over the last few years. And in order to make their company more viable, they're selling or trying to sell Simon & Schuster, which is their publishing imprint. And for those of you who are... Uh, in the know, you'll recognize that Simon & Schuster is is the imprint that publishes all of the Star Trek novels. Uh, generally, it has been through their pocketbooks imprint division, but it's Simon & Schuster. 
And Simon & Schuster has the licensing for all of the Star Trek books, most of the Star Trek books. But it's not one of those things where, you know, if if Viacom sells Simon & Schuster, Simon & Schuster is still going to have the license for Star Trek. It's not going to affect that, at least as far as I understand it. But this would be a rather large publishing powerhouse if this were to go through. And of course, Penguin Random House has been in the news lately because they've got deals now with DC Comics and Marvel Comics. And I want to say... Who was the other way? It was IDW, I think, is now going to be doing some stuff with Penguin Random House instead of Diamond Comic Distributors. Now, this is a distribution thing. It's not Penguin Random House is going to start publishing DC Comics. They're not buying DC Comics. They're just going to be a, a, a distribution uh, channel to get the books out. So DC Comics publishes the comic books. They send it to Penguin Random House. Penguin Random House does all of the shipping and the buying and selling and, and that sort of thing. So they're the wholesaler, I guess you could say. But the Department of Justice has put their foot down. Attorney General Merrick Garland there, looking all spiffy, <clears throat> like he does. <clears throat> from the article, this is from Deadline, November 2nd, Ted Johnson writing, The Justice Department sued to block Penguin Random House's proposed merger with Simon & Schuster, arguing that the transaction would create a behemoth publisher likely to drive down payments to authors and likely to reduce quality, service, choice, and innovation. The lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia on Tuesday sets up another high-profile antitrust battle in the media sector. Quote, The merger would give Penguin Random House outsized influence over who and what is published and how much authors are paid for their work, the DOJ said in its complaint. Now, that, that to me is an interesting take on this kind of stuff because how much influence does Disney have, the Walt Disney Company? We've, we've posted the graphic. We've shown you all of the different things that the Disney Company owns. The Disney Company has their hands in a lot of cookie jars. And Viacom CBS, not so much. Penguin Random House actually is not the parent company, by the way. Uh, this, this, is, uh, this is the Hollywood Reporter uh, with the story about this. And this was, uh, let's see when the date was on this, November 2nd. Alex Weprin the author of this article, the U.S. government has filed an antitrust suit seeking to block Viacom CBS from selling its publishing unit, Simon & Schuster, to Penguin Random House. The lawsuit, which was filed Tuesday morning, alleges the $2 billion deal would give Penguin Random House outsized influence. Okay, we've, we've read that quote already. In particular, the government alleges that the merger would be harmful to authors of anticipated top-selling books by depriving them of competition in the publishing market. So, hold on, just let me let me let me make sure that I'm clear on this. The Department of Justice under Attorney General Merrick Garland is saying that competition in the marketplace is a good thing and it 
makes prices more competitive? I, I, right? So, capitalism. <clears throat> just, saying, just, just, just an observation here. Continuing from the article, if consummated, this merger. This is from the from the complaint. If consummated, this merger would likely result in substantial harm to authors of anticipated top-selling books and ultimately consumers. Penguin Random House would control close to half of the market for the acquisition of publishing rights to anticipated top-selling books. Penguin Random House's next largest competitor would be less than half its size. Post-merger, the two largest publishers would collectively control more than two-thirds of this market, leaving hundreds of authors with fewer alternatives and less leverage. Now, I can understand that. If you're going to be uh, shopping your book around, especially if there's a competitive market for the people that want your, your movie rights, because how many times have we had this... In uh, Good Morning Multiverse, where we've we've read the news that such and such studio has made a deal for such and such book that hasn't even been published yet, because the studios are looking for their next franchise, and we've heard the complaints and the observations that a lot of the comic book people that are in in the industry now, that are in the traditional publishing side of comics are writing their comics as Netflix pitches. That's that's the that, that's the gag, right? So if I'm if I'm an author, <coughs> excuse me, if I'm the author and I have this book that I want to that I want to publish and I'm sending it out to various different publishers through my agent and I say, "Hey, I want to I want to publish this book. Who's interested?" Simon and Schuster right now could make an offer, and then I could go over to Penguin Random House and say, hey, look, Peng Simon & Schuster said they'll pay me this. What have you got? So you can do that competition, you know, back and forth and, and you know, take competing bids for your material. And I would imagine that in some ways, you'd still have that because all of the different publishing imprints that these companies have already, I don't know what kind of clauses and structures there would be in place that says, well, this Penguin Random House imprint cannot compete with this one over here. I, I don't know what kind of rules that they have internally for that kind of thing. But it got me wondering because this this doesn't say uh, which which one was it? Oh, this is okay. So this is the same the same story, but this one is Publishers Weekly, and I want you to take a look and note a difference because this one doesn't say that the Department of Justice is going after Penguin Random House. This is Publishers Weekly, John Mayer and Andrew Albanese with reporting by Jim Milliot, November 2nd. Headline, Justice Department sues to block Penguin Random House acquisition of SNS, Simon & Schuster. From the article, the U.S. Department of Justice has sued to block Penguin Random House parent company Bertelsmann's 
proposed acquisition of Viacom CBS subsidiary Simon & Schuster, arguing it would result in substantial harm to authors. The lawsuit was filed. So I got I got curious. Here are the divisions and the imprints for Simon and Schuster. Now, Simon and Schuster is the publishing company. This is the blanket umbrella company over which there are you know all of these other imprints because science fiction is going to get published in one track. Uh, you know, the poetry will get somewhere else. The romance novels go under a different one. Historical fiction, nonfiction, and that sort of thing. Educational stuff, women's studies, gardening, you know, th those kind of things. So the Simon & Schuster publishing ring, all of the different things here, you've got in their adult publishing group, you have Ad Adams Media, you have Atria, Avid Reader Press, Emily Bestler Books, Gallery, Free Press, Folger Shakespeare Library, Enliven, Howard Publishing, Jeter Publishing, One Signal, Scout Press, Threshold, Simon Element, Simon & Schuster, Scribner, and Touchstone. Now, I think Howard Publishing is religious material, I, I, I think. But all of these different imprints, these different publishers are all owned by the same company. They're all owned by Simon & Schuster. And then you get into the children's publishing. You have Aladdin, Althenium, Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers, Beach Lane Books, uh, Deneen Milner Books, Little Simon, now that one I've heard of, Margaret, L., uh, Margaret K. McKeldry, McElderry, sorry about that, Paula Wiseman Books, Saga Press, Salam Reads, and Simon Spotlight. And then they have two audio publishing divisions, Pim Pimsler and Simon & Schuster Audio. So that's just in the United States. They have other imprints in other countries. They have stuff going on, uh, as it says here on this list, in Australia, in Canada, in India, in U and the UK. And then I got over here and looked at the imprints that are owned by Pi Penguin Random House. Because Penguin Random House is the, is the overall big company, right? So you have DK Books, which also publishes Star Wars material. We've seen that name in several stories that we've done over on Salacious Crumbs. The Penguin Publishing Group is made up of Avery, Berkeley, Blue Rider Press, DAW, now Daw Books publishes science fiction, Dutton, Family Tree Books, Putnam, Impact, Interweave, KP, North Light Books, Penguin Books, Penguin Classics, which is going to be publishing Marvel Comics as classic stories. There's there's that whole deal there. You've got Penguin Press, Plume, Popular Woodworking Books. Now there's a niche for you. Portfolio Penguin. Um, what is this? This is a an R Riverhead is what it's called. You have Sentinel Books, Tarcher Peregree. You have Viking Books. Writer's Digest books. I've got a few of those. Here's how you become a writer. First, find an agent. Write a story. You have audio publishing. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different audio publishing houses. 
the Young Readers Group, you have uh, Dial Books, you have Dutton, Firebird, F. Warren and Company, Putnam, Kathy Dawson Books, Coquilla, Nancy Paulson Books, Penguin Workshop, Philomel, uh, Puffin, Razorbill, Speak, and Viking Children's Books. And then, see, that's just Penguin Random House. Then you go over to the Random House side of the, of the, of the, the store. You have Ballantine, Bantam. Both of those have published uh, science fiction before. Uh, BW, uh, BDWY, Potter, um, Clarkson Potter. You have um, Convergent Books. You have Crown Archetype, Crown Forum, Crown Currency, Del Rey, which also publishes science fiction, Delacorte Press, Dell, Harmony, Hogarth, Image, uh, um, Lorena Jones. What is this one here? Digital Imprints, Lucas Books. Uh, so this deal, if it were to go through, you would have the publishing company, the, the single publishing company of Penguin Random House, would have both the Star Trek and the Star Wars license through various different divisions that they've got. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where it's kind of, Kind of a shell game, but kind of not really, because all of these different imprints have their own thing. They have their own standards, all of the different genres that they do and the different the different uh, niche markets that they service, that they operate in. But to think that the Department of Justice has a problem with this and as far as we know, doesn't have a problem with Warner Media and Discovery getting together, and they didn't have a problem with Disney, with the Walt Disney Company acquiring 20th Century Fox, it has me curious. It has me curious about why they don't want this deal to go through when they've let all of those other deals go through. Because it... it, it it seems to me that Disney should not have been allowed to buy 20th Century Fox. I was really surprised that the DOJ and the SEC and whoever else in the government agencies that make these decisions, I was really surprised that they let that deal go through. And it begs the question, how much influence does the Walt Disney Company have on our government? Because remember, you're hearing rumblings, we've been hearing this for a couple of years now, the possibility that Bob Iger was angling toward getting an ambassadorship and becoming ambassador of the United States to China. Bob Iger has political aspirations. And I'm not saying that anything untoward has happened. I'm not, I'm not alleging anything, but I am asking the question, why would the, the federal government be okay? And again, granted, this is a different Department of Justice now. This is a different administration than when those deals went through. So I, 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 I understand that distinction. But... 
consider how long ago how long ago was that Disney when did Disney buy Lucasfilm? What was that? Nine years ago now? Seven years ago? Nine something like that. Yeah. So before twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the Disney and, and 20th Century Fox deal was... Right before Rise of Skywalker. That was before... Okay, so... That's... That's got me wondering now. Let me let me look at this for just a second here. Because... Um, now I'm curious when that deal happened... That was 2020. Was it just 2020? No. No, that's not it. Really? No, it was 2019. Okay. All right. It was 2019. But Bob Iger has political aspirations. We know this. What? He has a new book coming out. Oh, do tell. I wonder who's going to publish it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes, book publishers don't give enough money to the Democratic Party. I don't know. I see. This is one of those things when when people criticized uh, the forty fifth president about you know contributing to Democrats while he was in New York and he was a you know fairly prominent businessman in New York and the the observation is well of course he's giving money to Democrats because Democrats are running New York so you're you're going to be donating to various different causes and various different campaigns in order to maintain a, a, a positive relationship with the people what in charge and sometimes it's one of these things you dance with the devil that's in the room because that's the only deal you're going to get. I don't know that that's part of this. Um, I don't know why the Department of Justice would be looking askance at this deal and not the others. Um, who knows? It could be. It could be a decision on the part of the Attorney General. It could be somebody lower on the on the totem pole looking at it and saying, "Yeah, maybe we don't want this company to be so big. Why not?" You sent me a link. You sent me a link where? You sent me a link on Facebook. All right, I can't I can't access that one now because I'm sitting on the on the page, the 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 company page. Hold on, just a second. Let me look. All right, let's do this. I'm going to take, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to talk about Bob Iger's new book. So uh, let me, let me call that up while you look at this. Stand by. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. It's like, okay, hold on. You've got somebody, and all he does is put on some glasses and slicks back his hair, and nobody knows who he is. Nobody recognizes him. It's it's it's, it's like that that uh, that scene in in the Green Lantern movie where she looks at him and it's like, how? You know, it's like you just put on a mask and you expect me not to recognize you? The H two O podcast. 
Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Hi everyone, it's McKenna Talley from Salacious Crumbs. Just a quick reminder for all the latest Star Wars news and rumor, be sure to check out our show Salacious Crumbs right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 Central. All right, back live from the bunker. And we have that story. This is in the Hollywood Reporter. Thank you, Mrs. Boss, for finding that for me. Bob Iger quietly working on a new book. This is from yesterday, November 3rd, in the Hollywood Reporter. Subheadline: While plotting his next professional chapter, the Disney chairman has begun drafting a follow-up to 2019's memoir, *The Ride of a Lifetime*. That's the uh, that's the memoir where he uh, where he admits that he bungled the relationship with George Lucas. Don't uh, don't forget that. All right, this is from Tatiana Siegel, November third. With Bob Iger's Disney contract expiring January 1st, all eyes are on the executive chairman's next move. Among the wide range of possibilities is writing a follow-up to his memoir, The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Iger has been quietly working on a follow-up to his book, which hit the New York Times bestseller list upon its release in September 2019. He apparently has plenty of material to continue on another ride. Ha ha, that's very clever, Hollywood Reporter. Um, oh. 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 Okay. Uh, here's a quote. I'm certainly hoping there will be another one, says Iger's powerhouse book agent, ICM's Esther Newberg, who notes that she hasn't seen any pages yet. So... There might or there might not be a book. But this is an interesting one. The ride was published by Random House. <clears throat> a follow-up wouldn't necessarily land with the publishing giant, given that Newberg negotiated just a one-book deal in 2016. Still, Random House would get a first crack, considering that the CEO enjoyed an easy rapport with the company's executive vice president and publisher, Andy Ward. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not going to be casting aspersions or anything, but, you know, and, and really, you know, all, all kidding aside, when you get to that level of the corporate C-suite and companies that are that big. It's not a surprise that a lot of these guys are chummy with each other because there's a, there's a social circle with every, every level of, of career and income and, and that kind of thing. I mean, there are social circles for all kinds of things. So it's not a surprise that Bob Iger would be chummy with publishing CEOs and executives and whatnot, because those are the conversations that get had. That's that's the level, that's the the stratosphere there. All of the C-suite uh, type of folks, I imagine, they're probably on each other's rolodex. 
But it is interesting that he has that kind of, uh, of a friendship with a random house publisher. Now, I don't think that anything on this would have anything to do with whether or not Random House buys Simon & Schuster or not. But I wonder, what if... No, I don't think that that would happen either. I just, the, the thought crossed my mind that what if the Walt Disney Company tried to buy Simon & Schuster, but I don't think that they would do that. Um... Maybe, maybe not. I don't. I don't know that they would. I. I mean, Disney's got their own publishing imprint. I don't know why they would need to buy Simon and Schuster. But it's interesting. Uh, other post Disney options. This is continuing from the article. Um, other post Disney options that Iger has toyed with include an ambassadorship. This thing is still floating around here. Iger had been included on President Joe Biden's wish list for a key ambassador post, namely China or the UK. This is this is the beginning. This is the first I've heard about him be, thinking about UK. Yeah, that's the first. I I have not heard this before. We knew we we had heard he was angling for China. Uh, this is new that anybody has floated the idea of Bob Iger being ambassador to the UK. Uh, it says here, but that political prospect appears to be off the table. Interesting. Well, see, I that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now that the deal the deal could be at least on the back burner, maybe not on the table anymore, because because of all of the negative PR that the Disney company has been experiencing because of their relationship with the communist Chinese government. You know, especially with, with regard to Mulan being shot next to concentration camps. It, it is interesting, though, why... <coughs> why hasn't... Why hasn't there been any outcry in the Middle East over the treatment of Muslims in China? It's just random question there. Why haven't we heard anything out of Iran or Saudi Arabia or Egypt or, or, or Syria or Lebanon or Iraq or, did I say Libya? Libya? Why, why haven't we heard anything of in, in the Middle East about the concentration camps that the Chinese, the Communist Chinese Party, Chinese Communist Party, let me get that right, uh, the, the concentration camps where they're putting Muslims. Why hasn't there been more of an outcry from Muslims in the Middle East? Just a random question. I don't mean anything by it at all. Um, all right, so... <laughs> What? What do you? That way you just said that was your best Derek line or impression from PS9. You know you have a microphone, but I'm not. I'm not going to turn it on. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can. You see the the understanding is the microphone is on, 
because you can jump in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the way you said that was your best Garrick impression from DS9. The best Garrick impression? Yes. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. right. Okay. So, anyway, I... It's... <sighs> Mazer says, once again, a derpy customer who talked too long has prevented me from listening to a chunk of the program. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he says, at least you know I do my job. This will come in handy when we open a sci-fi for me Dallas office. <laughs> there is always the possibility that World Headquarters could move. It's it, Right now, it's a very remote possibility. But we do have a we do have a Southern Command Center down in Dallas uh, that we that we use every now and again. So. We need to get down there. And you never know. You never know what could happen in the future. I've I've debated because you've got all of this, you know, politics intersecting with uh, with media news and entertainment news and whatnot. I mean, you look at the stuff that's going on with Why the Last Man, for an example of that, with identity politics and gender politics and whatnot. And every now and again, I continue... Yeah, I. The, the this little thought in the back of my head maybe we start a politics channel but then I very quickly quash it and I was like nope 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 can't do it wouldn't be prudent not gonna do it because it would take up a lot of time and I have told myself that if something like that were ever to happen then there would be no cross-promotion between the two outlets because this is sci-fi for me, and we do science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And politics sometimes factors into that because real world sometimes invades into our space in ways that we would prefer not. But it happens. It's, it, does, it, does, it does happen every now and again. And I know that I've I've done, you know, hashtag Fahrenheit nineteen eighty four talking about various different things going on in the world and comparing it to the different dystopian future stories that we have. I I just I don't know how well it would do because everybody's do, doing this kind of stuff. I mean, they're talking pop culture and they're talking cancel culture and they're talking about all of these different things in in, in politics. But there is another part of me, there's a small part of me that remembers covering elections back in my college radio days. And it it's it it can be it can be fun. It can be interesting to watch how things develop in terms of the stories that play out as they play out. Of course, back then, we kind of knew the results that night. We didn't have to wait a week for people to count ballots. <clears throat> and, I, you know, we got midterms coming up. I just, I just you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be a good idea or not. But it would give me a spot that I could 
blab about politics and and not do it here. So anyway, all right. So so it is going to be interesting to watch how this plays out because if if the Department of if the Department of Justice gets their way, there won't be a merger between Penguin Random House and Simon and Schuster, which means that Viacom CBS has to find somebody else to buy this division because they want to get rid of it. It's and it's one of those indicators that I think show Viacom CBS as a corporation is probably not doing as well as they might like. Because if they're starting to divest themselves of various different divisions, it could very well be. Uh, and I will and I will use I will use a plant example i will use a gardening example here now those of you may may have been paying attention you know that mrs boss has been working we've started a garden just to have some some stuff to do in the in the in our free time right so we've got tomato plants and mrs boss as thorough as she is on everything that she does, she's been researching and looking into and reading and looking at videos and whatnot and learning how to do this kind of thing. And for tomato plants, and Mrs. Boss, correct me if I get this wrong, but the the if you snip some of the... As things start to branch out, if you snip some of them off, all of the growth effort goes into what's left and you're basically kind of redirecting that energy into a particular spot on the stem so your tomatoes can get bigger and and they're more robust and all of that. I would think that that Viacom CBS is trying to do the same kind of thing. It's not a trim the fat sort of deal. It's get rid of the things that are costing us money or they're they're getting rid of the things that don't make them as much money. In some way, Simon and Schuster has to be a drain on resources that Viacom CBS has decided they don't need anymore. And that's a guess on my part, because if Viacom CBS is going to sit there and they're going to focus all of their energy on television, and and with that streaming and and movies with Paramount, then all of this other stuff, this ancillary stuff, is superfluous. We don't want to be putting any money into any of this other stuff. We're going to concentrate on, on movies and TV shows, and everything else goes away. So it's... it's and, and yeah, Sci-Fi Snob, you're, you could be right. They might need to sell it to keep afloat. They might need to sell it in order to concentrate what money they have into bolstering their TV and movie production because you get all of this merger back together with Viacom CBS that now puts Paramount and CBS and Paramount Plus and Showtime and the CW and all of these other things all in the same basket again. And we know that there's plans for more than one Star Trek movie. Uh, the new guy in charge of Paramount, Robbins, I can't remember his first name. I want to say it's Paul, but I don't think it's right. Robbins, uh, he's he's basically sitting there thinking, 
It's not just about the next Star Trek movie. It's about Star Trek for the next five to ten years. He's thinking long-term plans in terms of both the television side of things, but also the movie side of things. This is this is a new thing. We've known there have been a number of Star Trek projects in the works. You know, the Noah Cawley one has died. The Quentin Tarantino one has died. J.J. Abrams is working on something. And there's there's talk about a prodigy movie, animated movie. So all of those different things are in the works. We're hearing rumblings about various different things. But it's not just one next Star Trek movie. It's the next three or four or five Star Trek movies. So they're thinking long term in 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 connection with these franchises. And Star Trek has the potential to be the moneymaker with toys and whatnot. And I find it interesting too, just on a side note, because we got this uh, we got this story we ran on Saturday during Good Morning Multiverse that Bandai in the UK uh, just recently acquired distribution rights for uh, licensed merchandise in Europe and Mexico for Star Trek. And the story that I read where we first heard about this says that the deal covers classic Star Trek, which by that I would take it the original series and next generation and that, that set and prodigy. There was no mention made of discovery or Picard or lower decks or strange new worlds or JJ Trek. None of those, uh, none of those iterations of Star Trek were mentioned in this news about Bandai UK getting a license for merchandise for Star Trek. They specifically mentioned Star Trek Prodigy, and I can say that looking at the show, I haven't sat and watched it yet, but you've got all of these characters, and and it does gut reaction here on the surface, it does seem like that would be a place where you could get some, uh, some mileage out of, out of, uh, out of the toys, out of action figures and play sets and models and, and that sort of thing. It's interesting that the rest of current year Star Trek got no mention at all. I don't know if there's any significance to that, uh, or, or could be, those licensing deals are already snapped up because Prodigy's the new one and it's just come out, so it could very well be that some other company has the license to distribute Discovery action figures, although I haven't seen any Discovery action figures. I don't even know if anybody's making Discovery action figures. Who would who would want one? Who knows? All right. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Well, I will take my uh, my humble self out now and uh, leave you mulling. If you have a thought or a comment you want to share, you can do that either uh, under under the video here or uh, in an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me com. Suggest guests. Who 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 should we have on the show? I've got a list started, uh, and yes, Gina Carano's on it. Uh, as is William Shatner, but I don't think we're going to ever get either one of them, so you never know. Um, 
Mazer says, don't get me started on that. I will list whimsical names of Discovery action figures for hours. <laughs> See, that, that assumes that there's any whimsy to be had associated with Star Trek Discovery to start with. I, I don't know. All right. Uh, yes, Danica McKellar is also on my list, and I have sent invitations before and, and have not heard anything back. So I'm in the process of following up with some of these invites that have come out. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, new Salacious Crumbs scheduled for the 7th of November. That's this coming Sunday. Sunday, 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 right? Yep. At 5 p.m. Eastern for Central, we're accommodating... Uh, McKenna's schedule so we can uh, have her back hosting the show it is a live broadcast now and uh, it's going to be every other week well every every couple of weeks uh, on on Sundays now we have not figured out our schedule for the ranker pit yet we're working on that but yes uh, Star Wars news and uh, what is today Wednesday Today's Thursday. All right. It's Thursday. All right. So it means coming up on Saturday, we've got, well, no, I don't know if we do. Um, there's probably not going to be a Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday because we I, we have to be at a funeral. But we haven't decided if we're going to do a Good Evening Multiverse. Uh, you know, stay on our socials. We'll make announcements. You can find us, Sci-Fi for Me. We'll get me on all of them. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on. Find us on all the social medias. Go over to scififreme.com and sign up for our newsletter. I need to get one out. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's it for today. So thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. Uh, or, or could be those licensing deals are already snapped up because Prodigy's the new one and it's just come out, so it could very well be that some other company has the license to distribute Discovery action figures, although I haven't seen any Discovery action figures. I don't even know if anybody's making Discovery action figures. Who would, who would want one? Who knows? All right. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, well, I will take my, uh, my humble self out now and uh, leave you mulling. If you have a thought... Or a comment you want to share, you can do that either uh, under under the video here, or uh, in an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Suggest guests. Who 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 should we have on the show? I've got a list started, uh, and yes, Gina Carano's on it, uh, as is William Shatner. But I don't think we're going to ever get either one of them. So you never know. Um, Mazer says, don't get me started on that. I will list whimsical names of Discovery action figures for hours. <laughs> See, that, that assumes that there's any whimsy to be had associated with Star Trek Discovery to start with. I, I don't know. 
All right. Uh, yes, Danica McKellar is also on my list, and I have sent invitations before and and have not heard anything back. So I'm in the process of following up with some of these invites that have come out. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, new Salacious Crumbs scheduled for the 7th of November. That's this coming Sunday. Sunday, 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 right? Yep. At 5 p.m. Eastern for Central, we're accommodating... Uh, McKenna's schedule so we can uh, have her back hosting the show it is a live broadcast now and uh, it's going to be every other week well every every couple of weeks uh, on on Sundays now we have not figured out our schedule for the ranker pit yet we're working on that but yes uh, Star Wars news and uh, what is today Wednesday Today's Thursday. All right. It's Thursday. All right. So it means coming up on Saturday, we've got, well, no, I don't know if we do. Um, there's probably not going to be a Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday because we I, we have to be at a funeral. But we haven't decided if we're going to do a Good Evening Multiverse. Stay on our socials. We'll make announcements. You can find us, Sci-Fi for Me. We'll get me on all of them. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on. Find us on all the social medias. Go over to scififrame.com and sign up for our newsletter. I need to get one out. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's it for today. So thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. The hottest spot on the internet. No, that's not right. We are live from the bunker coming to you from deep windy beneath world headquarters in Kansas City. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me, which means... The buck stops here. And that actually also means that we're not getting any bucks because the bucks have stopped. Uh, well, they haven't stopped, but you know, it's hard to come by sometimes. We are broadcasting live to uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Odyssey. I do want to encourage you all to sign up over there and and follow us on Odyssey because you never know what's going to happen, right? There are channels getting struck. There's channels getting demonetized in certain platforms. So, you know. Alternately, this show is available as a podcast on various different podcast players. All you have to do is search Sci-Fi for Me and, and it'll show up. 
somewhere, I'm sure. So we're happy to have all of you listeners as well. And if you want to be part of the conversation, the chat is open. I see Mazers and Sci-Fi Snob in there. And yet, I, I don't I don't know where you've been, Snob. We've been doing uh, we've been doing pre-show promos for a little bit. It's there's a there's a there's a reason for that. And a couple of reasons. One, of course, is to get uh, get the word out about our other shows. Another uh, purpose behind it is to give people time to get to the show because sometimes when the notifications go out late or, you know, if people... Oh, oh it's 12 o'clock. I got to get to the show. We don't have that happen a lot, but, you know, if people remember, oh, it's noon, there's a show on, this gives people time to get settled in and get their popcorn and, and get ready to go. But it also gives us a little bit of pad time in the beginning to kind of skirt past some algorithm stuff. Because I've noticed if we if we don't exactly get into our topic at the very beginning and if we don't have particular words in our video titles and discussions, then we get hit less by the demonetization hammer. Um, so far, under all of the review, we've had uh, things just go fine. You know, they they give us our green dollar sign back and, and it's not yellow anymore. But I've noticed on certain videos, whenever we do something like this, if we take a little bit of time to get into our topic, there's less of a chance that we're going to get issues shall we say i don't know i guess you know it's it's partially it's partially uh self-defense on our part you know it's it's a protective measure i guess so yes algae rhythm is the brother of john ra that's that's right <laughs> so, uh okay so uh speaking of social media i just want to i want to just spell this out for a minute because I haven't gone through all of our social media channels in a very long time. I'm just going to go through the list real quick. If anyone is interested in finding us on social media, aside, you know, putting aside the, the notion that social media is a dumpster fire. So if you're on social media, you want to find us over there. If you haven't already, uh, we've got, we've got a, a page on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, for those of you who are into cosplay. Now, Pinterest is our cosplay-centric, cosplay-only stuff. Uh, and then we're not on Tumblr. We're not on Snapchat. We're not on TikTok. Uh, the alternate things, well, Twitter, the alternate channels, MeWe, Minds, Gab, Parlor, Locals. We do have a Discord, but I haven't done anything with it yet. And it's basically kind of spreading out to make sure that we're various different places. And, you know, the, the discussion on some of those other channels, accounts, platforms, 
not any different from what you'd find over on Twitter. We're posting links to our stuff. That that's the most most of what we're doing. So, uh, no, we're not on Grinder. Anyway, all right. So, a follow up real quick on yesterday's discussion because we were talking about you know the pan pandemic stuff and post apocalyptic programming and and that sort of thing. There are a couple of things uh, in the in the wake of the Virginia election. One of the things that Mrs. Boss and I were talking about, and this this came up, and I'm not going to get into politics very much. It's an observation that's relevant here. Uh, there was uh, a, a particular attack in a bathroom in Loudoun County in a school. Those of you who have been paying attention to the news, you know what I'm talking about. And the mother apparently has done an interview, and she's not helping her son's case very much at all. And as I'm, as I'm looking at some of the information that's come out, I'm thinking, your lawyers probably want you to shut up because you're not helping. And I, I, I have that same thought when I read this interview with Eliza Clark who's the showrunner for Why the Last Man. This is in Vulture. Uh, Catherine Van Arendonk, the author of this uh, long talk published on November 3rd, so this came out yesterday, and I saw it after the show. Um, so this, in for the most part, this article covers, you know, what, what they were... You know what they're hoping to do. You know they're very disappointed they didn't get a second season, and they understand they're talking about what happened with the Hulu decision to not move forward. It's 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 based on money more than anything else, and it's complicated by the fact that this show had so many delays to start with, and the network just was we don't have the money to spend on holding everybody and and doing all of this. So. So basically, the network was in a position where they had to decide if they were going to spend $3 million to hold the cast in reserve while the network decided on a second season. So it was a two-part process. Basically, what they were looking at here, okay, we're, we're dropping season one, which has been delayed, 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 after three or four episodes, I believe, they had not yet decided on a season two. I would expect that's probably because they hadn't got numbers yet on episodes. They want to see how it's performing, and that's a that's a normal decision to make. But the way this all timed out, if they were going to decide on a season two, it would be past the point where the options for the cast and crew expired. So they would have to spend $3 million just to have everybody wait until they decided that they're going to have a season two. So it's not like we don't want to spend $3 million on season two. It's we don't want to spend $3 million to hold everybody in place until we decide if we're going to have a season two. So it's a, it, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit nuanced, but as Eliza Clark continues to do interviews and social media posts about what their goals were and what their intent was for Why the Last Man, the less interested I am in the show, I haven't watched it uh, yet, I, I, should, I should get around to it, but 
the the more I hear about it, the less I'm interested in it because of the various different things that the showrunner, Eliza Clark, has said about what they were trying to do with the show. And it seems like a minor thing, and it's just a little bit of a mention in this article, but it does it does figure in the 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 question of transsexuals you know transgender not transsexuals transgenders and and that sort of thing and of course that that wasn't that wasn't a thing when the book when the when the graphic novel first came out yes you're talking about gender and identity uh with regard to this book but If you have a Y chromosome, I mean the the whole the whole basis of the idea behind this book is everybody with a Y chromosome died except this one guy, Yorick. And now you factor in the Y chromosome. Well, if you have a man who thinks he's a woman, he's still got a Y chromosome. I mean, this is biology. This is not this is not sociology. This is not uh, this is not uh, gender theory or anything like that. You've got a Y chromosome, you're dead. And <clears throat> it spins out, and, and it's part of this other thing uh, because we have also uh, this new this new book from DC Comics, uh, Nubia, and then the whole Trial of the Amazons book and whatnot. And the writer, Stephanie Williams has come out saying that there's there are trans there's a there's a transgender amazon and just some guy did a very excellent analysis of this uh in in one of his I'll I'll find it and I'll put a link in the comments but the the idea of an amazon being transgendered kind of works against the whole idea of what an amazon is and what they're using as a tool to create this transgendered Amazon is something that they came out with, uh, the Well of Souls. This is something that I believe was, was created uh, during George Perez's run. And the Well of Souls reincarnates Amazons in new bodies. And Just Some Guy does a very good uh, a video on this. Basically talking about, well, if this well of souls, the way this works, if it regenerates and resurrects Amazons in a new body, and you have a man who thinks he's a woman and goes through the well of souls, he's going to be reincarnated in a new biologically female body. I mean, the, the, logic, the logic of all of this stuff <clears throat> escapes me. So anyway, there's there's a there's a follow up on those two on that on that kind of thing. I, like I said, I'll find, uh, I will go through and find just some guy's video and put a link if you haven't seen it already. If you're not following just some guy over on uh, on YouTube, you should be because he does some very excellent analysis. He's just a just a kid from Chicago speaking his mind. 
All right, so here we go. We've got uh, news coming out of Washington, D.C. The Department of Justice. We got, uh, we got alerts on this earlier this week. The, Ju- the Justice Department has, has said Penguin Random House cannot buy Simon & Schuster. Now, this is something that we talked about back... Well, we didn't talk about this specific thing, but we talked about the the Warner Media Discovery merger from earlier this year, the fact that AT&T was getting out of the media business, Warner Media spinning out and going to merge with Discovery. And the speculation at that point, the question was, will the will the Justice Department, will the government allow that merger to, to take place? Because as we get through all of the news and all of the announcements of various different studios buying other studios, <coughs> Disney, we have the, the looming shadow of antitrust lawsuits and monopolies and and that sort of thing because in business there are rules for making sure one particular company does not dominate the entire industry category that they're in and in this particular case we're looking at penguin random house as a publisher and Simon and Schuster being the publishing imprint from Viacom CBS, and Viacom CBS has been doing all of this corporate restructuring over the last few years, and in order to make their company more viable, they're selling or trying to sell Simon and Schuster, which is their publishing imprint. And for those of you who are uh, in the know, you'll recognize that Simon & Schuster is is the imprint that publishes all of the Star Trek novels. Uh, generally, it has been through their pocketbooks imprint division, but it's Simon & Schuster. And Simon & Schuster has the licensing for all of the Star Trek books, most of the Star Trek books. But it's not one of those things where, you know, if if Viacom sells Simon & Schuster, Simon & Schuster is still going to have the license for Star Trek. It's not going to affect that, at least as far as I understand it. But this would be a rather large publishing powerhouse if this were to go through. And of course, Penguin Random House has been in the news lately because they've got deals now with DC Comics and Marvel Comics... And uh, I want to say, who was the other way? It was IDW, I think, is now going to be doing some stuff with Penguin Random House instead of Diamond Comic Distributors. Now, this is a distribution thing. It's not Penguin Random House is going to start publishing DC Comics. They're not buying DC Comics. They're just going to be a a distribution uh, channel to get the books out. So DC Comics publishes the comic books. They send them to Penguin Random House. Penguin Random House does all of the shipping and the buying and selling and, and that sort of thing. So they're the wholesaler, I guess you could say. But the Department of Justice has put their foot down. Attorney General Merrick Garland there, looking all spiffy, <clears throat> like he does. <clears throat> from the article, this is from Deadline, November 2nd, Ted Johnson 
writing, The Justice Department sued to block Penguin Random House's proposed merger with Simon & Schuster, arguing that the transaction would create a behemoth publisher likely to drive down payments to authors and likely to reduce quality, service, choice, and innovation. The lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia on Tuesday sets up another high-profile antitrust battle in the media sector. Quote, The merger would give Penguin Random House outsized influence over who and what is published and how much authors are paid for their work, the DOJ said in its complaint. Now, that, that to me is an interesting take on this kind of stuff because how much influence does Disney have, the Walt Disney Company? We've, we've posted the graphic. We've shown you all of the different things that the Disney Company owns. The Disney Company has their hands in a lot of cookie jars. And Viacom CBS, not so much. Penguin Random House actually is not the parent company, by the way. Uh, this, this, is, uh, this is the Hollywood Reporter uh, with the story about this. And this was, uh, let's see when the date was on this, November 2nd. Alex Weprin the author of this article, the U.S. government has filed an antitrust suit seeking to block Viacom CBS from selling its publishing unit, Simon & Schuster, to Penguin Random House. The lawsuit, which was filed Tuesday morning, alleges the $2 billion deal would give Penguin Random House outsized influence. Okay, we've, we've read that quote already. In particular, the government alleges that the merger would be harmful to authors of anticipated top-selling books by depriving them of competition in the publishing market. So, hold on, just let me let me let me make sure that I'm clear on this. The Department of Justice under Attorney General Merrick Garland is saying that competition in the marketplace is a good thing and it makes prices more competitive I, I right so capitalism <clears throat> just, saying, just 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 an observation here continuing from the article if consummated this merger this is from the from the complaint if consummated this merger would likely result in substantial harm to authors of anticipated top selling books and ultimately consumers Penguin Random House would control close to half of the market for the acquisition of publishing rights to anticipated top-selling books. Penguin Random House's next largest competitor would be less than half its size. Post-merger, the two largest publishers would collectively control more than two-thirds of this market, leaving hundreds of authors with fewer alternatives and less leverage. Now, I can understand that. If you're going to be uh, shopping your book around, especially if there's a competitive market for the people that want your, your movie rights, because how many times have we had this in uh, Good Morning Multiverse where we've, we've read the news that such and such studio has made a deal for such and such book that hasn't even been published yet because the studios are looking for their next franchise. 
And we've heard the complaints and the observations that a lot of the comic book people that are in in the industry now, that are in the traditional publishing side of comics, are writing their comics as Netflix pitches. That's that's the that, that's the gag, right? So if I'm if I'm an author, <coughs> excuse me, if I'm the author and I have this book that I want to that I want to publish and I'm sending it out to various different publishers through my agent and I say, "Hey, I want to I want to publish this book. Who's interested?" Simon and Schuster right now could make an offer and then I could go over to Penguin Random House and say, "Hey, look, Ping, Simon and Schuster said they'll pay me this. What have you got?" So you can do that competition, you know, back and forth and and you know, take competing bids for your material. And I would imagine that in some ways you'd still have that because all of the different publishing imprints that these companies have already, I don't know what kind of clauses and structures there would be in place that says, well, this Penguin Random House imprint cannot compete with this one over here. I, I don't know what kind of rules that they have internally for that kind of thing. But it got me wondering because this, this doesn't say... Uh, which, which one was it? Oh, this is... Okay, so this is the same, the same story, but this one is Publishers Weekly. And I want you to take a look and note a difference... Because this one doesn't say that the Department of Justice is going after Penguin Random House. This is Publishers Weekly. John Mayer and Andrew Albanese with reporting by Jim Milliot. November 2nd. Headline, Justice Department sues to block Penguin Random House acquisition of SNS. Simon & Schuster. From the article, the U.S. Department of Justice has sued to block Penguin Random House parent company... Bertelsmann's proposed acquisition of Viacom CBS subsidiary Simon & Schuster, arguing it would result in substantial harm to authors. The lawsuit was filed... Blah, 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 blah. So, I got, I got curious. Here are the divisions and the imprints for Simon & Schuster. Now, Simon & Schuster is the publishing company. This is the blanket umbrella company over which there are you know all of these other imprints because science fiction is going to get published in one track uh, you know the poetry will get somewhere else the romance novels go under a different one historical fiction non-fiction and that sort of thing educational stuff women's studies gardening you know th- those kind of things so the Simon and Schuster publishing ring all of the different things here you've got in their adult publishing group you have Ad- Adams Media you have Atria Avid Reader Press Emily Bestler Books Gallery Free Press Folger Shakespeare Library Enliven Howard Publishing Jeter Publishing One Signal Scout Press Threshold Simon Element Simon and Schuster Scribner and Touchstone now i think Howard Publishing is religious material, I, I, I think. But all of these different imprints, these different publishers, 
are all owned by the same company. They're all owned by Simon & Schuster. And then you get into the children's publishing. You have Aladdin, Althenium, Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers, Beach Lane Books, uh, Deneen Milner Books, Little Simon. Now that one I've heard of. Margaret, L., uh, Margaret K. McKeldry, McElderry, sorry about that, Paula Wiseman Books, Saga Press, Salam Reads, and Simon Spotlight. And then they have two audio publishing divisions, Pim, Pimsler and Simon & Schuster Audio. So that's just in the United States. They have other imprints in other countries. They have stuff going on, uh, as it says here on this list, in Australia, in Canada, in India, in U and the U.K., and then I got over here and looked at the imprints that are owned by P Penguin Random House. Because Penguin Random House is the, is the overall big company, right? So you have DK Books, which also publishes Star Wars material. We've seen that name in several stories that we've done over on Salacious Crumbs. The Penguin Publishing Group is made up of Avery, Berkeley, Blue Rider Press, DAW, now Daw Books publishes science fiction, Dutton, Family Tree Books, Putnam, Impact, Interweave, KP, Northlight Books, Penguin Books, Penguin Classics, which is going to be publishing Marvel Comics as classic stories. There's, there's that whole deal there. You've got Penguin Press, Plume, Popular Woodworking Books. Now there's a niche for you. Portfolio Penguin. Um, what is this? This is a, an R Riverhead is what it's called. You have Sentinel Books, Tarcher Peregree. You have Viking Books, Writer's Digest Books. I've got a few of those. Here's how you become a writer. First, find an agent. Write a story. You have audio publishing. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different audio publishing houses. Uh, the Young Readers Group, you have uh, Dial Books, you have Dutton, Firebird, F. Warren & Company, Putnam, Kathy Dawson Books, Coquilla, Nancy Paulson Books, Penguin Workshop, Philomel, uh, Puffin, Razorbill, Speak, and Viking Children's Books. And then, see, that's just Penguin Random House. Then you go over to the Random House side of the of the of the the store. You have Ballantine, Bantam. Both of those have published uh, science fiction before. B W B D W Y Potter, um, Clarkson Potter. You have um, Convergent Books, you have Crown Archetype, Crown Forum, Crown Currency, Del Rey, which also publishes science fiction, Delacorte Press, Dell, Harmony, Hogarth, Image, um, Lorena Jones, what is this one here? Digital Imprints, Lucas Books. Uh, so this deal, if it were to go through, you would have the publishing company, the, the single publishing company of Penguin Random House, would have both the Star Trek and the Star Wars license through various different divisions that they've got. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of 
kind of a shell game, but kind of not really, because all of these different imprints have their own thing. They have their own standards, all of the different genres that they do and the different the different uh, niche markets that they service, that they operate in. But to think that the Department of Justice has a problem with this, and as far as we know, doesn't have a problem with Warner Media and Discovery getting together, and they didn't have a problem with Disney, with the Walt Disney Company acquiring 20th Century Fox, it has me curious. It has me curious about why they don't want this deal to go through when they've let all of those other deals go through. Because it, 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 it seems to me that Disney should not have been allowed to buy 20th Century Fox. I was really surprised that the DOJ and the SEC and whoever else in the government agencies that make these decisions, I was really surprised that they let that deal go through. And it begs the question, how much influence does the Walt Disney Company have on our government? Because remember, you're hearing rumblings, we've been hearing this for a couple of years now, the possibility that Bob Iger was angling toward getting an ambassadorship and becoming ambassador of the United States to China. Bob Iger has political aspirations. And I'm not saying that anything untoward has happened. I'm not, I'm not alleging anything, but I am asking the question, why? would the the federal government be okay? And again, granted, this is a different Department of Justice now. This is a different administration than when those deals went through. So I, 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 I understand that distinction. But consider... How long ago? How long ago was that Disney? When did Disney buy Lucasfilm? What was that? Nine years ago now. Seven years ago, nine, something like that. Yeah. So, before 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the Disney and and 20th Century Fox deal was. Right before Rise of Skywalker. Because that was before. Okay, so. That's. That's got me wondering now. Let me let me look at this for just a second here because um, now I'm curious when that deal happened. That was 2020. Was it just 2020? No, no, that's not it. Really? No, it was 2019. Okay. All right. It was 2019. But Bob Iger has political aspirations. We know this. What? He's got a new book that's going to be coming out. He has a new book coming out. Oh, do tell. I wonder who's going to publish it. I'll have to look at my Mm hmm. 
Uh, Book publishers don't give enough money to the Democratic Party. I don't know. I See, this is one of those things when, when people criticized uh, the 45th president about, you know, contributing to Democrats while he was in New York and he was a you know fairly prominent businessman in New York and the the observation is well of course he's giving money to Democrats because Democrats are running New York so you're you're going to be donating to various different causes and various different campaigns in order to maintain a, a, a positive relationship with the people what in charge and sometimes it's one of these things you dance with the devil that's in the room because that's the only deal you're going to get. I don't know that that's part of this. Um, I don't know why the Department of Justice would be looking askance at this deal and not the others. Um, who knows? It could be. It could be a decision on the part of the Attorney General. It could be somebody lower on the on the totem pole looking at it and saying, yeah, maybe we don't want this company to be so big. Why not? You sent me a link. You sent me a link where? You sent me a link on Facebook. All right. I can't I can't access that one now because I'm sitting on the on the page, the 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 company page. Hold on just a second. Let me look. All right, let's do this. I'm going to take, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to talk about Bob Iger's new book. So uh, let me, let me call that up while you look at this. Stand by. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. It's like, okay, hold on. You've got somebody, and all he does is put on some glasses and slicks back his hair, and nobody knows who he is. Nobody recognizes him. It's it's it's, it's like that that uh, that scene in in the Green Lantern movie where she looks at him and it's like, how? You know, it's like you just put on a mask and you expect me not to recognize you. The H two O podcast Monday night at eight only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Hi everyone, it's McKenna Talley from Salacious Crumbs. Just a quick reminder for all the latest Star Wars news and rumor, be sure to check out our show Salacious Crumbs right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 Central. All right, back live from the bunker. And we have that story. This is in The Hollywood Reporter. Thank you, Mrs. Boss, for finding that for me. Bob Iker quietly working on a new book. This is from yesterday, November 3rd, in The Hollywood Reporter. Subheadline, while plotting his next professional chapter, the Disney chairman has begun drafting a follow-up to 2019's memoir, The Ride of a Lifetime. That's the, uh, that's the memoir where he, uh, where he admits that he bungled the relationship with George Lucas. Don't, uh, don't forget that. All right, this is from Tatiana Siegel, November 3rd. 
With Bob Iger's Disney contract expiring January 1st, all eyes are on the executive chairman's next move. Among the wide range of possibilities is writing a follow-up to his memoir, The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Iger has been quietly working on a follow-up to his book, which hit the New York Times bestseller list upon its release in September 2019. He apparently has plenty of material to continue on another ride. Ha ha, that's very clever, Hollywood Reporter. Oh! 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 Okay. Uh, here's a quote. I'm certainly hoping there will be another one, says Iger's powerhouse book agent, ICM's Esther Newberg, who notes that she hasn't seen any pages yet. So there might or there might not be a book. But this is an interesting one. The ride was published by Random House. <clears throat> a follow-up wouldn't necessarily land with the publishing giant, given that Newberg negotiated just a one-book deal in 2016. Still, Random House would get a first crack, considering that the CEO enjoyed an easy rapport with the company's executive vice president and publisher, Andy Ward. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not going to be casting aspersions or anything, but, you know, and and really, you know, all, all kidding aside, when you get to that level of the corporate C-suite and companies that are that big, it's not a surprise that a lot of these guys are chummy with each other because th there's a there's a social circle with every every level of of career and income and and that kind of thing. I mean, there are social circles for all kinds of things. So it's not a surprise that Bob Iger would be chummy with publishing CEOs and executives and whatnot, because those are the conversations that get had. That's that's the level, that's the the stratosphere there. All of the C-suite uh, type of folks, I imagine, they're probably on each other's Rolodex. But it is interesting that he has that kind of. Uh, of a friendship with a random house publisher. Now, I don't think that anything on this would have anything to do with whether or not random house buys Simon and Schuster or not. But I wonder what if, no, I don't think that that would happen either. I just, the, the thought crossed my mind that what if the Walt Disney company tried to buy Simon and Schuster, but I don't think that they would do that. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know that they would. I, I mean, Disney's got their own publishing imprint. I don't know why they would need to buy Simon and Schuster. But it's interesting. Uh, other post Disney options. This is continuing from the article. Um, other post-Disney options that Iger has toyed with include an ambassadorship. This thing is still floating around here. Iger had been included on President Joe Biden's wish list for a key ambassador post, namely China or the UK. This is, this is the beginning. This is the first I've heard about him be 
thinking about UK. Yeah, that's a first. I I have not heard this before. We knew we we had heard he was angling for China. Uh, this is new that anybody has floated the idea of Bob Iger being ambassador to the UK. Uh, it says here, but that political prospect appears to be off the table. Interesting. Well, see, I that wouldn't surprise me at all now that the deal the deal could be at least on the back burner, maybe not on the table anymore because because of all of the negative PR that the Disney company has been experiencing because of their relationship with the communist Chinese government. You know, especially with with regard to Mulan being shot next to concentration camps. It it is interesting though, why why hasn't why hasn't there been any outcry in the Middle East over the treatment of Muslims in China? It's just random question there. Why haven't we heard anything out of Iran or Saudi Arabia or Egypt or 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 Syria or Lebanon or Iraq or did I say Libya? Libya? Any, why why haven't we heard anything of in in the Middle East about the concentration camps that the Chinese the Communist Chinese Party? Con- Chinese Communist Party, let me get that right, uh, the the concentration camps where they're putting Muslims. Why hasn't there been more of an outcry from Muslims in the Middle East? Just a random question. I don't mean anything by it at all. Um, All right, so... What? What do you... You know you have a microphone, but n- I'm not. I'm not going to turn it on. <laughs> no, you can. You see the the understanding is the microphone is on because you can jump in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the way you said that was your best Garrick impression from DS9. Your best Garrick impression. Yes. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. right. Okay. So, anyway, I, it's, <sighs> Mazer says, once again, a derpy customer who talked too long has prevented me from listening to a chunk of the program. <laughs> uh, he says, at least you know I do my job. This will come in handy when we open a sci-fi for me Dallas office. <laughs> There is always the possibility that world headquarters could move. It's it right now it's a very remote possibility. But we do have a we do have a southern command center down in Dallas uh that we that we use every now and again. So we need to get down there and you never know. You never know what could happen in the future. I've I've debated because you've got all of this, you know, politics intersecting with uh, with media news and entertainment news and whatnot. I mean, you look at the stuff that's going on with Why the Last Man, for an example of that, with identity politics and gender politics and whatnot. 
And every now and again, I continue. Yeah, I the the this little thought in the back of my head. Maybe we start a politics channel, but then I very quickly quash it, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. Can't do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Not gonna do it because it would take up a lot of time, and. I have told myself that if something like that were ever to happen, then there would be no cross-promotion between the two outlets because this is sci-fi for me, and we do science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And politics sometimes factors into that because the real world sometimes invades into our space in ways that we would prefer not. But it happens. It's it's does it does it does happen every now and again and i know that i've i've done you know hashtag fahrenheit1984 talking about various different things going on in the world and comparing it to the different dystopian future stories that we have i i just i don't know how well it would do because everybody's do, doing this kind of stuff i mean they're talking pop culture and they're talking cancel culture and they're talking about all of these different things in 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 politics but there is another part of me there's a small part of me that remembers covering elections back in my college radio days and It's it it can be it can be fun. It can be interesting to watch how things develop in terms of the stories that play out as they play out. Of course, back then we kind of knew the results that night. We didn't have to wait a week for people to count ballots. <clears throat> And I, you know, we got midterms coming up. I just, uh, just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be a good idea or not. But it would give me a spot that I could blab about politics and, and not do it here. So anyway, all right. So, so it is going to be interesting to watch how this plays out because if, if the department of if the department of justice gets their way there won't be a merger between penguin random house and simon and schuster which means that viacom cbs has to find somebody else to buy this division because they want to get rid of it it's and it's one of those indicators that i think show Viacom CBS as a corporation is probably not doing as well as they might like because if they're starting to divest themselves of various different divisions it could very well be uh, and I will and I will use I will use a plant example I will use a gardening example here now those of you who may may have been paying attention you know that Mrs. Boss has been working. We've started a garden just to have some some stuff to do in the in the in our free time, <clears throat> right? So we've got tomato plants, and Mrs. Boss 
as thorough as she is on everything that she does, she's been researching and looking into and reading and looking at videos and whatnot and learning how to do this kind of thing. And for tomato plants, and Mrs. Boss, correct me if I get this wrong, but the the if you snip some of the as things start to branch out, if you snip some of them off, all of the growth effort goes into what's left and you're basically kind of redirecting that energy into a particular spot on the stem so your tomatoes can get bigger and and they're more robust and all of that. I would think that that Viacom CBS is trying to do the same kind of thing. It's not a trim the fat sort of deal. It's get rid of the things that are costing us money or they're, they're getting rid of the things that don't make them as much money. In some way, Simon & Schuster has to be a drain on resources that Viacom CBS has decided they don't need anymore. And that's a guess on my part, because if Viacom CBS is going to sit there and they're going to focus all of their energy on television and and with that streaming and and movies with Paramount, then all of this other stuff, this ancillary stuff, is superfluous. We don't want to be putting any money into any of this other stuff. We're going to concentrate on, on movies and TV shows, and everything else goes away. So it's... it's and, and Yeah, Sci-Fi Snob, you're, you could be right. They might need to sell it to keep afloat. They might need to sell it in order to concentrate what money they have into bolstering their TV and movie production because you get all of this merger back together with Viacom CBS that now puts Paramount and CBS and Paramount Plus and Showtime and the CW and all of these other things all in the same basket again. And we know that there's plans for more than one Star Trek movie, uh, the new guy in charge of Paramount, Robbins, I can't remember his first name, I want to say it's Paul, but I don't think it's right. Robbins, uh, he's, he's basically sitting there thinking, it's not just about the next Star Trek movie, it's about Star Trek for the next five to ten years. He's thinking long-term plans in terms of both the television side of things, but also the movie side of things. This is... This is a new thing. We've known there have been a number of Star Trek projects in the works. You know, the Noah Cawley one has died. The Quentin Tarantino one has died. J.J. Abrams is working on something. And there's, there's talk about a prodigy movie, animated movie. So all of those different things are in the works. We're hearing rumblings about various different things. But it's not just one next Star Trek movie. It's the next three or four or five Star Trek movies. So they're thinking long-term in, 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 in connection with these franchises. And Star Trek has the potential to be the moneymaker with toys and whatnot. And I find it interesting, too, just on a side note, because we got this, uh, we got this story we ran on Saturday during Good Morning Multiverse that Bandai in the U.K., uh, just recently acquired distribution rights for 
licensed merchandise in Europe and Mexico for Star Trek. And the story that I read where we first heard about this says that the deal covers classic Star Trek, which by that I would take it the original series and Next Generation and that, that set, and Prodigy. There was no mention made of Discovery or Picard or Lower Decks or Strange New Worlds or J.J. Trek. None of those, uh, none of those iterations of Star Trek were mentioned in this news about Bandai UK getting a license for merchandise for Star Trek. They specifically mentioned Star Trek Prodigy, and I can say that looking at the show, I haven't sat and watched it yet, but you've got all of these characters, and and it does gut reaction here on the surface, it does seem like that would be a place where you could get some, uh, some mileage out of, out of, uh, out of the toys, out of action figures and play sets and models and, and that sort of thing. It's interesting that the rest of current year Star Trek got no mention at all. I don't know if there's any significance to that, uh, or, or could be, those licensing deals are already snapped up because Prodigy's the new one and it's just come out, so it could very well be that some other company has the license to distribute Discovery action figures, although I haven't seen any Discovery action figures. I don't even know if anybody's making Discovery action figures. Who would who would want one? Who knows? All right. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Well, I will take my uh, my humble self out now and uh, leave you mulling. If you have a thought or a comment you want to share, you can do that either uh, under under the video here or uh, in an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me com. Suggest guests. Who 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 should we have on the show? I've got a list started, uh, and yes, Gina Carano's on it. Uh, as is William Shatner, but I don't think we're going to ever get either one of them, so you never know. Um, Mazer says, don't get me started on that. I will list whimsical names of Discovery action figures for hours. <laughs> See, that that assumes that there's any whimsy to be had associated with Star Trek Discovery to start with. I, I don't know. All right. Uh, yes, Danica McKellar is also on my list, and I have sent invitations before and, and have not heard anything back. So I'm in the process of following up with some of these invites that have come out. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, new Salacious Crumbs scheduled for the 7th of November. That's this coming Sunday. Sunday, 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 right? Yep. At 5 p.m. Eastern for Central, we're accommodating... Uh, McKenna's schedule so we can uh, have her back hosting the show. It is a live broadcast now and uh, it's going to be every other week. Well, every every couple of weeks uh, on, on Sundays now. We have not figured out our schedule for the Ranker Pit yet. We're working on that. But yes, uh, Star Wars news and uh, what is today? Wednesday? Today's Thursday. All right. 
it's Thursday. All right, so it means coming up on Saturday, we've got, well, no, I don't know if we do. Um, there's probably not going to be a Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday because we, I, we have to be at a funeral, but we haven't decided if we're going to do a Good Evening Multiverse. Uh, you know, stay on our socials. We'll make announcements. You can find us, Sci-Fi for Me. We'll get me on all of them. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe, have your notifications turned on. Find us on all the social medias. Go over to sci me.com and sign up for our newsletter. I need to get one out. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's it for today. So thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.